John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Oh, hey, it's me, Ed Peterson. Hi, Ed. It's me, John Kiltica. Rocking the weird cadence today. Yeah. <laughs> weird cadence day. I think that's going to be our thing. Weird cadence day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone has said I occasionally sound like Jeff Goldblum. I don't think that's true. I just had someone say it last week. I don't get it, but I have probably had 10 people say that. Well, maybe you have to work on your pacing. Or my cadence. Or your cadence. Yeah. We're in West Seattle. Oh, beautiful West Seattle. And I've got to warn you. Yeah. I hear that the atmospheric river is coming. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. I don't know what that means. Rain for weeks? Yeah. (sighs) It's like the jet stream, but of water. And so for us, that means rain. And apologies ahead of time for the Midwest, because I think for them, it means snow. I'm not looking forward to that. Winter in Seattle, man. Guitars, effects, amps. Whatever comes up. Yeah. Lately, we've been demonstrating our incompetence in the field of geography. You know, Australia is a continent. I know that now. We looked in Wikipedia. Yeah.
Beverages. Beverages in. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was actually great. That was really good. I don't think there's much need for what you were doing until you started doing it. And then I was like, oh, that actually sounds really cool. I think this guitar in the hands of like Tim Hansen. Polyphia guy? Yeah. You did a great job with it, John. I need more general ability. Well, he definitely makes the most of the frets and the strings that are available to him. I'm not saying you didn't. You were way up on that neck, making little high note things. I got all up in them frets. Yep, and that was cool. This guitar has yeah. 32 frets. 32. Oh my God, that is a lot. What note is that? Is that like an L? 36, right? 12, 15, 17, 18, 19, 21, 36. That's some scalloped business, right? Yes. Are you into the scallopy stuff? I am finding that as I play it, it doesn't seem to make a difference to me. Yeah. I think it's a metal thing, right? It doesn't feel like it's impeding me. I think the dudes that maybe make the most of the scallop thing are maybe not doing what you just did. Yeah, cordy stuff. Yeah. Eddie, is that you? I have uh, black coffee in a crow mug. Yeah? Yeah. I've got 16 ounces of, uh, what is it called? Minor it's, figures. My, thank you. <laughs> barista grade. Barista grade oat milk. Yeah. With uh, maybe like half a pint of strawberries and a big heaping scoop of vanilla caramel Huel protein powder. That sounds fit for someone who's fit. It's pretty good. Oh, God. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what do you got? I have coffee as well. Uh -huh. And I went back to Orca this week for uh, Dad's old-fashioned root beer. You can't say root beer. Root beer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's been a while. How is that? Probably delicious, It's right? very tasty. Yeah. I don't think I've had a soda beverage in like two years. This is a Hamer-produced guitar called the Virtuoso. That makes sense. Great. That's the perfect name for this guitar, and you do want someone like Tim Hansen playing it. Yes. You know what I mean? John, you are a great guitar player. Not a Virtuoso. And that's okay, right? You don't have to spend hours a day practicing some flawless technique. Like that, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like... You heard it. I'm not saying this guitar is wasted on us. A little bit. Maybe a little bit, yeah. We don't spend a lot of time on frets north of 12 in general. Yeah. It was fun to do the beverage chord up there, though. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. 
Like I said, virtuoso shit. Yeah. Three octaves of pure style. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've done anything Hammer related. Briefest of overviews, John. I think we need the briefest of overviews. Hit me. Our astute viewers will remember that Hamer is the brainchild of one Paul Hamer, mm. who started with his own vintage guitar store in 1973. Some people consider that the sort of beginning of the idea that there could be a market called vintage. I think up until that point, people were like, it's just used. When we talked about the Les Paul, Clapton and a bunch of those metally dudes right in that pocket of the early 70s, they wanted Les Pauls and they had been discontinued in favor of the SG. And it drove the prices of those old Les Pauls up. Yeah. That was maybe the very beginning of that becoming a thing. I think so. And touring bands were coming through. This would have been in the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. And Hammer was noticing that a lot of these touring bands were looking at the used or vintage stuff and wanting it kind of modified to play better and be sure. more reliable. And that's what gave him the idea. Maybe I should start building my own stuff that's kind of like that, that these guys want. Yeah. Kind of boutique, custom, right. in a time where that wasn't done a tremendous amount either. Sure. So he and his partner, Joel Danzig. Any relation? No, spelled differently. Spelled with a T. Danzig, there's no way that's his name, right? Am I crazy? No, that's his name. Are you talking about Glenn Danzig? Yeah. Yeah, that's his name. That's the name he was born with. I think so. Let's go to the internet. Glenn Allen Anzalone. Oh, how about that? Danzig is a name. I don't know. That just sounds dark metal. You know what I mean? <laughs> German language surname. Well, there you go. Huh. Well, this Danzig, with a T, was Hamer's partner, and he was the guy on the kind of manufacturing end. Hamer was doing design and ideation, and he could also build, but it was basically him and Joel Danzig. So they decide, mid-70s, early mid-70s, we should make a business out of this, and Hamer was born. They started out, you probably remember, with what was called the Sunburst model. Didn't have to be Sunburst, but it was like a Les Paul Jr., like a Les Paul Jr.? Yeah. In Sunburst. Didn't have to be Sunburst. Right. I think the one we did was black. Yeah. It was just called the Sunburst. I don't really know why. I'm thinking, like, was the Les Paul Jr. made in Sunburst? Mm, no. Was it ever? Yeah, like, um, I know. I don't know. As part of this kind of custom stuff Hamer was doing mm -hmm. for people passing through, Tom Peterson of Cheap Trick was like, hey, Paul Hamer and Joel Danzig, can you make me a bass? Sure, we can do that. Cool. Can you make it with 12 strings? <laughs> so they did that for him. That was one of those like tripled up strings, right? Amit from Pearl Jam plays a 12 string. The notes are tripled up on each string. Yeah. They also did a V version that they called the Vector. Things like that. And they were getting lots of business from people like Kiss, Def Leppard, Judas Priest. So the metalheads are like, if you're going through Chicago, maybe go to this guy Hammer. Mm -hmm. He's making stuff. Yeah. And that was 1975. So they go ahead and incorporate it, and now it's a company. And the first instrument they introduced was that sunburst, and that was 77. Sure. In 1986, Paul Hammer, ever the creative, thoughtful guy, designs this thing, the Virtuoso. What year? 86. Okay. Our version here today mm -hmm. is from 1990. 
the year it was discontinued. His idea was only a virtuoso would want or be able to play this. Yeah. Yes. Check. Nobody seems to know exactly how many were made. Okay. I'm going to just throw my hat into that muddy water and say 50 or less. Oh. And this one we have is one of only two known that has an ebony fretboard. Scalloped. Scalloped ebony fretboard. Perfect. Dang. You're a virtuoso? Yeah. Come on. Reverse headstock. Very cool. Very cool. Wow. Look at the back of that thing. I am not really a fan of that paint job, but I'm just kind of surprised it's matching the whole way through like that. This is known in the fine art world anyway Uh as scumbling. Scumbling. You've got a field or a wall or whatever it is that is a color. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you take a rag or a cloth or even paper sometimes and yep. crumple it up yep. and dip it gently in a contrasting color and yep. then lightly tap all around. For sure. Yeah. goes back to Renaissance times. It was a painting technique. And that's what this guitar is. It looks like the base color is black, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then they scumbled it with, it almost looks like glow-in-the-dark green. You know, that kind of weird color. Scumbling. Yeah, as a contrast. Renaissance shit. It's pretty interesting the way the jack goes in on the back. Yeah, the jack is by the strap button. It's just below it. Right. It points up the wrong way? Well, I don't know. I'm no virtuoso. Exactly. Only a virtuoso (laughs) would want that to go in the opposite of every other guitar, right? Maybe the virtuoso is going like this. Maybe. I put the guitar between my knees. Right. Sitting here looking at it like this... I cannot see that there actually is a pickup selector on this thing. It's because with that scumbling thing, I can only see it when you pick it up. Yeah. It just blends right in. It is a single pickup. Mm -hmm. It is a Seymour Duncan's hot rail. So it's essentially a humbucker in single coil form. Oh, okay. So there's your humbucker. And I could not figure out those two. Those two. Let's see if we can figure it out. Does one split it into like parallel, like two single coils parallel? Maybe. And one is the single. That one's the single, right? Must be. Yeah. They didn't go out of phase. No, I don't think they did. Big mistake. (laughs) That courtesy of our man, Jesse, over at Moray Effects, the visceral pedal. You're going to be hearing a lot more of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. Making the most of that virtuoso. This is a test of the Emergency Broadcast Network. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Oh, my God. Floyd Rose, right? No, this is a Hamer-licensed Kaler system. Okay. It says Hamer on it. You know what I think would be cool? Mm. If you were in, like, a country band? Yeah. And the whole time you played cowboy chords. Irony. Yeah. This was discontinued in 90, so it's not exactly a casualty of the great grunge wars. I think it's It's, a 
casualty of the corporate guitar wars. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Hamer designed it in 86, Mm -hmm. but in 87, he left the company. Oh. He wanted to pursue a different career. What did he do? Career in retail. That's all I could find. Like working at JCPenney's. Yeah, probably. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Welcome to Target. Yeah. But it's okay because our man, Command, bought Hamer. Okay. Command, who was trying to buy Fender, right? That would have been before that, but yeah. Right, right. He had his eyes set on some of the big boys and put offers in, and they were just like, no, dog, right? That's our guy. That's right. Stick to helicopters. Charles Command. Was what they told him. Yeah. Stick to the military industrial complex. Yeah. So they bought it and they moved a lot of it to Connecticut where Command was located. They were still making ovation guitars over there. But then in 2007, they get sold again. Can you guess who might have bought Hamer from Command in 2007? I should totally know this because we're a guitar podcast and I should keep track of this stuff. Fender owns Jackson. I don't think Fender owns Hamer, right? They did. Okay. So they don't anymore? They sold again? Is that what you're going to tell me? They did. Okay. When Fender bought them, Danzig, who had remained with Hamer through the command Uh acquisition, left. Adios. Sayonara. He started Joel Danzig Guitar Designs. Hasta la vista, baby. Yeah. But then in 2012, Hamer is over. Fender ceases Hamer operations. Okay. That's it. It took a while, but in 2017, so like five years later, Mm -hmm. they are bought by KMC, a subsidiary of (laughs) Jam Industries. Mm. And they reintroduced five models that you can get their overseas imports now. Jam Industries. Yes. And that's what happened. I watch a lot of Tim Hansen videos. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Henson. It feels like there's this whole generation of guitarists that's coming up right now that do stuff that doesn't seem possible. And it also doesn't feel like it's reproducible. It feels like, oh, you could play that once, but try to do it again in a live setting. Try and actually play that with a band, and you can't. And he can. Yeah. There actually are these kids who have been trained on YouTube watching guys like that And now like nine-year-olds can do it. Someone just had to do it the first time. It just raises that bar. And it's just becoming this norm. I'm still just going to sit and play cowboy chords. I'm not going to use 36 frets, but I think the market for 36 frets is actually weirdly like full circling on us. It's coming. And in a way that I find much more appealing. I would Uh much rather listen to Polyphia where I feel like the guys in the 80s who were doing that stuff felt wanky and showing off. I think I agree with that. There is nothing about this guitar that I like. Except everything? Except everything, and I do like that I think there are people who could make use of this guitar today. Let me ask you this, though. Yeah. If you did like it, Mm -hmm. and it was 1987 all over again. Ugh. 1987 dollars. Reagan dollars. Reagan dollars. We're still in Reagan dollars. Yeah. Ugh. What's Paul this Hamer is... and Joel Danzig going to charge you to make you one of these? Because it's a custom order. Right. 
Reagan, by this point, he's ceded control of the country to his lovely wife. A gallon of milk was probably mm, 46 $47, something like that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. gallon of gas is probably $900. Yeah, that sounds right. So this guitar in 1987. 36 frets. It's got a pretty custom paint job. And no two were alike. Sure, right. How could you reproduce? No, I mean, no two were even in the neighborhood. Oh, really? This is the only known scumbled one. Oh. Some have graphics. Oh. Some have solid colors. Cool. Each okay. one is absolutely different. Oh, geez. I bet this guitar was $1,642. This guitar in 1987 yeah. was $2,300. <laughs> this guitar was like... 5600 bucks or something. 5700 <laughs> We so, got this one from our good friends over there at Thunder Road Guitars. ThunderRoadGuitars.com? Yeah, that's the guys. Okay. Yeah. You probably could buy this guitar today for inflation adjusted what you could buy it for back then. Probably. You gotta try it. Try and decide. Hey, Ed. Yeah. This thing's got 36 frets. Mm. It has scumbling on it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Uh, you can tap the coils on the pickup. Okay, sure. And there were less than 50 ever made. Mm-hmm. The 1990 Hamer Virtuoso. Yeah. Buy or deny. If I bought this, I would just buy it to give it to Tim Henson. But I don't even want to play that guitar. And we didn't really <laughs> talk about the body because the neck is so long. Yeah. It feels like the body is very abbreviated. It's that strat shape, but it's off. What they had to do to make these frets even remotely playable, yeah, I would say not playable, but benefit of the doubt. A virtuoso could yeah. probably play yeah. something. It's clearly a super well-made guitar. Handmade hammer from the time when that's what they were doing. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? I think I got to agree with you. <laughs> Basic analysis for me is that it sounds great. Sure. But I don't know. Can I recommend sounds great? And then you got to deal with 36 frets. <laughs> deal with. You get. Bonus frets. Yeah. Now with bonus frets. Right. Not my thing. The thing you said right there was, oh, it sounds great. If your bar is sounds great, that's 80 plus percent of the guitars we get in here. Yeah. Like, you can get a $400 import guitar. That sounds great. I'm sure there's some kind of niche collector base for this. Oh, sure. Someone out there is just like, oh my God, I love it. That's the perfect guitar for you. There's not a feature on this thing for Ed. Well, I'm going to take pictures of everything from the scallops to the frets to the scumbling, all of it. And we're going to put them up. Okay. On the internet. Yep. On, like, Instagram, at The High Gain. Yep. Patreon, The High Gain. Yep. Hey, John, the crew over there at the Ruinous Media Network of music-related podcasts. Yep. Have they kicked us out yet? No. No? <laughs> we remain in good standing and up to date. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. We're paying our dues and yeah. we're all paid up. Okay, mm -hmm. good. Great. So we should just come back next week and do another one right quick before, you know, the door shuts. For sure. Let's do that. All right. Okay. Thanks, John. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye.